follow me. That is the title of the message this morning from Isaiah and other passages in the scriptures. <clears throat> There's a story that comes from 1929 when Admiral Richard Byrd, along with three companions, were the first men to fly over the South Pole. After the success of this first quest, newspapers and magazines covered the fascinating story of Richard Byrd's second trip to the South Pole from 1933 to 1935. And uh, if you know a little bit of geography, uh, you will know that the 180th meridian is an imaginary but important marker. It is otherwise known as the International Dateline. It runs from the North Pole to the South Pole or from the South Pole to the North Pole, depending on which way you face. And it is east of New Zealand. So when a traveller crosses it, he either adds a day or subtracts a day, depending on the direction in which he is travelling, whether he's travelling east or west. I did this when I went to South America not all that long ago and then I did it again when I came back. When I went there, I arrived on the same day and when I came back, I lost a day. That's how it works. Now, what Admiral Byrd, when Admiral Byrd spoke of his experience of flying southward to the pole, he said that all the time, and this is what he said, he says, all the time we continued flying as closely as possible along the 180th meridian. Even without wind, it is obvious that no navigator, he said, can fly exactly along a mathematical straight line. Consequently, we were zigzagging constantly from today into tomorrow and back again into yesterday. So today being the first day of the year, we had just crossed into another historical time zone. Our minds are, are crowded, I suppose, from the recollections from the past year and the past years. Some are happy and some more sobering. We've made some good decisions and perhaps some not so good ones. Some of the things have been our own doing while others have happened to us and we simply had no choice but to adjust and react to them because there was nothing we could do about it. Every now and then, in our quieter moments of reflection, we reflect upon our reactions to life's circumstances and decisions that we have made and some of the decisions, some of the things that we have missed out on. And the thought that occupies our minds is, if only. If only I knew then what I know now. If only I'd done this or that. In fact, it is a, it is a pretty common thought. And we can collect a few of these if-onlys over a lifetime. If only I had left earlier, I would not have had that accident. If only I lived in some other place. If only I were more beautiful. If only he had not died so young. 
If only people were friendlier to me. If only I had more money. If only I were younger. If only I were older. If only I had a different kind of job. If people, if only, if, if only people really knew my abilities. If only, and it goes on and on, doesn't it? It's interesting that very few people think, if only I had given more money away. Or if only I was less proud and had forgiven more people. Or another rare one is, if only I had helped others more while I had the chance. If only I had prayed more. If only I had read the Bible more. If only I had spent more time in church and actually appreciated the fellowship I had with more brothers and sisters. If only I had been more regular to church. If only I had appreciated the people that actually loved me and cared for me and prayed for me. It goes on, doesn't it? But some of these things we're going to talk about today, we're going to, but we're going to look at them from a different context, from an alternative stance so that we don't dwell on the past but actually try and improve or try and make changes this coming year and coming years. So there's the alternative stance next time. This is what happened then but next time I will keep my eyes out open so that I don't miss out. There's a world of difference, you see, between if only and next time. If only looks backward, but next time is, a, is, is, is looking forward because it's learnt the lesson. Many times if only can be a word of defeat, but next time is a word of hope. On top of everything else, the Bible is there so we can learn some valuable lessons from others' mistakes. They are there in the Bible. Just read it. All the way from Genesis to Revelation. And and so we can avoid making the same mistakes that they did. So even as we look at these if-onlys, let's see what lesson we can learn. If only, if only what? Well, if only of complaints. If only of complaints. After the people of Israel had left the oppression of Egypt and they embarked on this journey of faith to the promised land, one would think that the journey, there would be a journey full of hope and joy and singing along the way, glad to be out of the rotten place and into freedom. You would think so, right? And the journey would now be full of thanksgiving and praise to God who, who gave them that freedom, the, the freedom that they had been yearning and praying for hundreds of years. It's now a reality. But as we all know, that is wishful thinking. In fact, from Exodus to Deuteronomy, there is a myriad of complaints from the people of 
of Israel toward God, toward God's servants, God's leaders that he had appointed, like Moses and Aaron and others. This is what we read in Exodus chapter 16, verse 3. The Israelites said to them, If only, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you, you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Finally, right? Of complaints. Funny how just a few bumps on the road can change your perspective very quickly, doesn't it? So much so that they that they had forgotten the whips of the Egyptians on their back and, and, and were actually now exaggerating the amount of food that they had to eat. At the root of all of these complaints is, is an ungrateful, rebellious heart. And because of that rebelliousness, because of all the complaints that continued on and on and on and on, God told them that that generation will never enter his rest. Only two did. Joshua and Caleb, but the rest of them, they died in the desert because of the complaints. This is a very common trap that we can fall into very easily. Very, very easily. Just remember that at a heart that is that in the heart that is constantly complaining to God, to others, you will find a heart that is very seldom thankful heart. Very rare. On the one hand to be complaining, on the other hand to be thankful. And I think we need to watch out about our the times that we continue to, to complain and whinge and complain and complain because at the root of it is an unthankful heart. Please be careful. This is an exhortation from God's word. So here is the challenge. Next time you feel like complaining, try to be thankful to God instead. Be thankful for all his blessings in the past, in the present and for his future blessings. Try that instead. Next, if only. If only of missed opportunities. Many of us like to dwell on the missed opportunities that we have had. You probably know what I'm talking about. Those things that have come across our way and we simply did not grab them or hold on to them when we had the chance. It's interesting that God also has his if-onlys. You might be surprised to hear that he might also get a bit melancholic in thinking about the past. But interestingly, only in the context of his desire for faithfulness in his people. And this is what he said to to the people of Israel, expressing God expressing the longing of his heart. This is what he said in Isaiah 48, 18. If only 
if only you had paid attention to my commands. Your peace would have been like a river, your righteousness like the waves of the sea. It's beautiful, isn't it? Far above the opportunities that we think about of missing out on that investment or amassing more silver and gold. You know what God wants for us? God wants us to be obedient to his word. If only you had paid attention to my commands, he's saying. Seeking first his kingdom, not ours, his kingdom, and all the other things will, will be added. That's his promise. He does not want us to, to miss the opportunities to be spiritually rich that he offers us along the way. It could be, how do these come about? Well, it could be in the form of personal insight into his character. It could be an opportunity to share his love with others. It could be an opportunity for, to serve him from the heart. Next time, this is a challenge, next time God gives you an opportunity to obey and serve him, make sure you don't miss out on it by coming up with excuses. Or by saying, I'll wait for another opportunity. No, the opportunity is there, serve him then. What is another if only? The if only of limited faith. The if only of limited faith. This is a popular malady that I suppose many of us struggle with. Uh, thankfully we are not alone as there are numerous, numerous stories in the Bible of where, where men and women had, had really struggled with the same issue. It's not the case of having no faith at all. That's not what I'm talking about here. Okay? Because that, if you have no faith at all, that would be just not only tragic, but spiritually fatal. The problem with most of us is a matter of limited faith. Many times Jesus scolded his followers for this. Um, and, and in this respect, we can certainly relate to many of Jesus' followers. One example is that of Mary and her, her plight... Mary, Martha and Lazarus, Mary's plight was to save who by now is her dead brother Lazarus. In John chapter 11 verse 32 we read, Mary came to where Jesus was waiting and fell at his feet saying, Master, if only, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Yes, yes, Mary trusted Jesus. But Mary's faith was limited. Limited to what? Limited to Jesus' healing from illness, but not from death. Not She believed in healing, but not in resurrection. Soon enough, she would discover that Jesus is not limited by his power and ability, that he is the resurrection and the life. He proved it by raising Lazarus from the dead. He proved it in his own body. The tomb is empty. 
And like Mary, I think too often we are limited by our little faith. Our rational mind takes over and puts unnecessary limits on what God can and can't do. We need to be reminded time and time again that nothing, absolutely nothing is impossible for our God. It's good to be reminded of that. This is the challenge. Next time there is a call to trust in God with greater faith, I pray that we might actually trust Him just a little bit more. To turn that limited faith into limitless faith because God is pleased when we trust Him no matter what and believe in Him. What's another if only? The if only of limited hope. I, like many others, amaze myself at how quickly I lose hope sometimes. How short-sighted my perspective can become when immersed in the, in the trifles of, of everyday life. Just so you know, trifles are those Yes, it is a dessert, but um, those, those things in life that are of limited value, when you put them next to some of the more important stuff, it really isn't all that important, really. But somehow they tend to occupy our days and weeks and years. We get lost in the trifle. As a result, we get discouraged and lose hope. And the the Bible, in fact, challenges us. It it addresses this problem in so many passages. The the one that sticks out for me, and and I often mention, is spoken by the Apostle Paul when, when, when writing to the Corinthians, and he tells them in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 19, if only... If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. Wow. That hurts, doesn't it? At a time when, when wealth, success, prosperity, popularity seems to be the order of the day, the Apostle Paul actually feels sorry for us if that is all that we are on about. As the children of God, as children of our Father who is the creator of the universe, if if this is what our life is really all about, if this life is all there is, then we can indeed live like the pagans and run after the things that they run after. If all of our desires and successes are measured by our titles and our wallets and our accolades, then indeed we are to be pitied more than all men. Well, how do you understand that? Why are we to be pitied more than everybody else? Well, let me put it as simply as I can. Because we know the truth and they don't. Our eyes have been enlightened by God's word. 
we will actually have to give account for the light that we have received. God's revelation through his word, his indwelling Holy Spirit in us. If we don't take hold of that, you know, we, we no longer, our eyes are no longer have the scales that, that blind us to, what, to the reality. It's not because I haven't preached enough on it or you haven't read the Bible enough about it or, or been challenged from enough passages in the Scriptures. No, that's not the problem. It's because you've settled for, we have settled for this life. If after, let me give you another example, another take. If after a season of grief, of grief, deep grief, because you've lost a loved one, you cannot move on in your life because you have indeed lost someone very special to you, then it, sh- it simply shows that your hope is only for this life. But thanks be to God that that's not where the story ends. We cannot live our lives mourning for the rest of our lives, mourning over our sins that have been forgiven, mourning for our loved ones that are now in the presence of the Lord, mourning for the broken relationships that will never be mended. Let's have our hopes, if not, certainly not in this life, but let's, let's place our hope where it belongs, in the next life. This is not where it ends, guys. Next time you are discouraged and feel yourself giving in to despair, make sure you turn to God in hope, from hopeless to hopeful. Let's not uh, focus on much, so much on the headlines. That, and you see the headlines in the media and others. They, they, their job is to drag your hope down. It's all gloom and doom. Everything. Yes, yes, we're all going to die, guys. I know, big surprise there. Okay, we're all going to be cremated or buried. Okay, sorry to shatter your life with reality, right? Unless the Lord comes back, that's what's waiting for us. But if that is all your hope, all the hope that you have for this life, then you're dead already. You are already spiritually dead. Just this past week, visiting a dear friend and their parents. His father just passed away in palliative care. His last breath just there. And sort of saying, wow, thank you Lord for the resurrection. Only the carcass is there. They are now rejoicing in heaven. How can people survive without faith in this world, honestly? But the hope is there for us. It is a gift of God. Let's let's lay hold of it. Let's give thanks to God for it. 
Let's celebrate it when we sing, when we read the scripture and say, thank you Lord, you have opened my eyes to the truth. Let's not be the ones who the Apostle Paul pities. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. That is sad. That is sad. So let's go to the new beginnings. No prophet in the Bible spoke more about hope than the prophet Isaiah. And he's often referred to as as the golden prophet. He offers so much hope in in all its forms. As you read Isaiah there, there, uh, you move from one scenario of expectation to the next, that God is doing a new thing. Yes, there is a challenge. Yes, there is, there is, this is, bad things going to happen. But God is doing something new. And, and, and no greater are, are the, is the hope, the expectation than when he talks about God's chosen servant, or the, the birth of Emmanuel, the sufferings of God's servant culminating in this glorious vision that awaits all of God's children because of the sacrifice of God's servant and the reason why he died. A good text with which to live as we begin this new year comes from the 43rd chapter. And and, and we listen again to what he says, Isaiah 43 verses 18 to 19. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm doing a new thing. In in the message translation, this is how it says it. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old story. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? It's interesting that throughout the the Bible, God's people are often uh, told, they are challenged to remember. And yet, here the message is clear. Forget the former things. Do not dwell in the past, which seems like a contradiction to remember. Clearly, the challenge here is to forget about the sins and mistakes of the past. Later on, Jesus would come and he would tackle the very old traditions to which the Pharisees and, and, and people like them were, were keeping, they were drowning what God was doing in the present because of their attachment, their slavery to the traditions. In Jesus Christ, God was doing something new. And God's people needed to be alert to what he was doing, to the opportunities that spring forth. I don't know how much of this you can understand or how much you you like these things. And I don't care whether you're young or whether you're old. You have to like new beginnings. If you don't like new beginnings, you're going to struggle when you get promoted to heaven. You're going to start complaining and saying, "Well, oh, this is disappointing. You know, new beginnings. Today is the first day of the year. 
It's a new year, a new month, a new week, a new day, a new experience. We all need new beginnings. I'm certainly glad for the change, for, for, the, for the chance to start again. I don't, know, I don't know how many years I have left on earth. But each day, as you get older, each day is a, an opportunity to say, thank you, Lord, I'm still breathing. I'm still here. Come on, give me strength for another day. And God gives us a chance to start again. And the Apostle Paul gives us specific directions for living in each day. In Philippians he said, But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Forget what is behind and you strain on that tiptoe. You, you want to see what, what, is, what is ahead. If you are not, this is what I said last, what I said last Sunday. I'll repeat what I said last Sunday, just to refresh your memory. If you are not waiting for something more to come, not yearning, not leaning forward, standing, standing on tiptoe for something better, if your heart has not been broken by the pain of injustice and suffering and death, Or you have settled down too comfortably with the present arrangements that heaven holds nothing better for you. And that is truly sad. The future belongs to those who wait, for those who know we are meant for something better. If you are indeed straining forward to what is ahead, this new year gives us the opportunity to make a fresh start to forget the things that may have been holding us back in the past. With God's help, we can turn from the wishful thinking, from the if only, of complaints, of missed opportunities and limited faith and limited hope and turn that into next time, next time of faithfulness, next time of greater faith, of greater hope, of greater trust in what God is doing. Because God is moving forward. Yes, there will come a day when earth will be rolled up like a scroll and everything will be new. But until that day, let's keep praying, let's keep praising, let's keep encouraging one another for greater things that God has in store for us. Amen.